0: 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, begin reading in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts. But the same spirit there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the selfsame spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks <laughs> whether slaves are free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and members individually, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray you'd give wisdom now as we look at this passage of Scripture and teach us the Word. pray the Holy Spirit would fill me. I pray, Father, today that uh, whatever gift of teaching and preaching I have today, that you would use it for your glory. And I pray, Father, that my mind would be clear. I don't feel clear this morning. And I pray, Father, you'd help me to have clarity of thought and just use this time. Teach us, Father, the important truth about spiritual gifts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in a section of 1 Corinthians where we have been looking at issues related to church life. It started in chapter 11, and it's going to go on now for a couple of chapters, at least through chapter 14, maybe a little further. And we're going to see that Paul is dealing with issues related to life in the church, behavior in the church, decorum in the church, those, those sorts of things. In chapter 11, we already saw some issues related to dress and the whole... The whole difficult passage about head coverings on women. We saw that particular uh, issue dealt with there. And then last week we saw uh, issues related to the Lord's table and the observance of the Lord's supper. Uh, all those were things that Paul was dealing with. Well, it continues now in chapter 12. And actually chapters 12, 13, and 14 are all dealing with a very specific issue of church life. And that is the issue of spiritual gifts. A topic that is very interesting to some. Uh, and so hopefully it will be interesting here as well. It starts in, in, here in chapter 12, and we'll continue through, through 14. Uh, let me just give you a quick definition of what a spiritual gift is. Uh, this is my definition, so you can take it or leave it, but uh, this is what I believe a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is an ability that is spiritual in character, given by the Holy Spirit to all believers, but only to believers, for the purpose of building up other believers in the local church. Uh, I've found that definition to be as accurate as any as I can think of. An ability, spiritual and character, given by the Holy Spirit to all believers for the purpose of building up other believers in the local church. And I think we'll see that definition come out of chapter 12 as we dig into it a little bit. So let's notice some things here from, chap- from, from this chapter. And, and I, think, I think we can divide this up into four truths that Paul is sharing with us here. Four truths. He's saying, first of all, every Christian has a spiritual gift. He's saying, secondly, that those gifts are chosen and given by the Holy Spirit. He's saying, third, they are all equally important. None is more important than any of the others. And then number four, they are given for the benefit of the local church. Those four truths. First of all, spiritual gifts, every Christian has them. Every Christian. Every Christian has spiritual gifts. That's a key truth. If we we don't get that down... None of the rest of the teaching in the Bible about spiritual gifts makes any sense whatsoever. Look at verse number 7. Verse number 7 is our text. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You might want to circle those little words. Each one. Each one. If you look at verse number 11, it says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not the only place in the Bible that talks about spiritual gifts. We could go back to Romans chapter 12, and we would find some some great teaching there as well. And Paul says some things there that are helpful, too. He says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, God hath dealt to each one a measure of faith. And so it would seem like that's pretty clear. It would seem like there's not a whole lot of need for explanation. It would seem like the Bible is very plainly saying that all of us have spiritual gifts. And yet, for some reason, we struggle sometimes to accept that truth. But it is true. It is true. These verses make it clear that you, if you are saved, have a gift or gifts. I came across a doctrinal statement from another church one time, and they had they had this in there, which I thought was very, very clear. It said at the moment of salvation, when the believing person is baptized into the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit gives to every believer one or more gifts, God given abilities for service as he chooses. And so all of us have spiritual gifts. The only way that you could be here this morning as a child of God, a saved, born-again believer, uh, and not have a spiritual gift would be for the Bible to not be true. Or for the Bible to have an error in it. And, and, and how many of you think this morning that that's the case? It's not the case. We know it's not the case. Every word of Scripture is true. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I have to get this verse into every sermon I preach, it seems. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. And that means 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is true. And that is why we have to say that every believer has a spiritual gift. We believe uh, that it is true with regards to our salvation. When the Bible says that we have that, well, here it says we have a spiritual gift. Let's believe it there as well. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man, each one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And by the way, ladies, that includes you as well. You don't get to weasel out of this one. The Greek translated every man there is the it just it means everyone. It doesn't mean males, it means all of us. So ladies, you also have a spiritual gift or gifts. So Paul tells the Corinthians first of all here that, that they each had one or more gifts. And the same truth applies to you, the same truth applies to me. We can accept those gifts and use them as God intended or we can put them in a drawer, but mark it down, we have them. He has given them to us we have a gift or gifts. That's point number one. The second point is, these spiritual gifts are gifts and they are chosen for us by the Holy Spirit. They are gifts chosen by the Spirit. He not only clearly explained here that we have spiritual gifts, but he went on to explain who decides on the distribution of those. How does he, who, who decides who has what gift? Who decides who has the gift of, of helps? Who decides who has the gift of teaching or or any of these other things. Well, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 tells us. One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Who decides? The Holy Spirit decides. He distributes according to his will. Again, Paul clears it up for us also in Romans chapter 12, verse number 3. I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has dealt to each one. The Spirit distributes individually as He wills. And so it's the Holy Spirit who determines what gift you have. He decides, and then He gives. Now think about that for a minute. Think about that little phrase, as He wills. The Holy Spirit decides. The Holy Spirit chooses. He knows you better than you know you. He knows us all better than, than anybody else. He knows where we're going to be. He knows in which church we're going to serve. He knows every day of your life from now until you're home going. He knows. And he's the one who chooses what gift or gifts you will have. I don't know about you, but that gives me great encouragement. It gives me great encouragement to know that whatever I'm gifted to do, whether it's something impressive to men or not, it's what he has chosen. And my role, therefore, is to just faithfully do it. Just faithfully exercise that gift. Because it's his choice. He has chosen. He has said, this is what I want you to do. All we have to do is do it. Gives me great encouragement. And think for a minute about that word gift. Gift. Because there's truth there that we need to think about. We just watched the Operation Christmas Child video. It's Christmas time, or close to Christmas time anyway. It's Christmas time in Operation Christmas Child uh, calendar anyway. But it is a time when we start thinking about it, isn't it? I mean, we go to Walmart and we see the Christmas stuff is out. We're thinking about it. And whenever we think about Christmas, we cannot help but thinking about gift giving. Certainly that's a concept that we think about with respect to salvation. And usually whenever Christmas time rolls around, I try to get that in there somewhere. I try to mention the fact that salvation is a gift of God. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is a gift of God. We try to talk about that kind of stuff and we, we try to talk about the fact that salvation is a gift of God. And we, we try to talk about the fact that a gift has to be accepted or it has no value. Jesus died on the cross and that death was sufficient for all. But it's only efficient to those who believe. Only efficient to those who receive. And so we talk about that with respect to gifts. All the time. Don't we? But it's also true about spiritual gifts. If this is a gift. Isn't it true? We have to believe that that gift has been given. And we have to receive it. And we have to accept it. It's the same thing as with salvation. The Holy Spirit is offering it. But it has no meaning unless we take it. And use it for his glory. Imagine the disappointment of giving a gift. And not having it used. I recall years ago hearing of someone who had passed away and gone on to glory. And when his family was later on going through their through the things, this was a fellow who had lived through the Depression, and so folks who have lived through the Depression sometimes are uh, frugal. And uh, he had done that and had been that way. And as they were going through his things, they, they went through drawers, dresser drawers and things, and they found drawer after drawer filled with gifts, clothing, other items that had been given. Not even taken out of their original packaging, just... Stored away for some future day. <coughs> Unused. And the fact is, I guess, a gift is not useful unless it is used. It's true of salvation, it's true of spiritual gifts as well. Paul said in Romans chapter 12 having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so Paul's making it clear there, you've got the gift, he's given you the gift, you ought to do something with it. These are wonderful truths. God has given us a gift, he has chosen what it is, all we have to do is be faithful to using it for his glory, and it is a gift. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What a giving God. What a giving God we have. Well, so we all have a gift. It is truly a gift chosen by the Holy Spirit. The third thing Paul teaches us here is that spiritual gifts are all equally important. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're saying, well, you know, I think I have an idea of what I'm gifted to do. But the fact is, preacher, my gift is not very important. And it probably doesn't matter whether I really exercise that gift or not. Some people might say it's only the important gifts, the flashy gifts, the public gifts, that you really need to be careful to make sure they're, they're exercised. The other ones don't matter that much. The Apostle Paul would have disagreed. He would have disagreed vehemently. In verses 11 through 27, he used a metaphor here of the human body. One of my favorite parts of the Bible. I think he's using a little bit of humor here as he talks through these particular things. And as he's he's saying here, he's saying there's no part of the body that we can eliminate without pain. No part of the body that we can eliminate without loss. God knows what he's doing and he's provided just what is needed in the local church. And to remove any gifted individual, regardless of their gift causes, do you know this for many years, many years, the appendix was considered to be a completely meaningless part of the body? I don't know, maybe some people still consider it that way, but I, I read an article one time, and it was quoting from Scientific American, so it must be true if it was from Scientific American. It said this, quote, although scientists have long discounted the human appendix as a vestigial organ, there is a growing body of evidence indicating that the appendix does in fact have a significant function as a part of the body's immune system. The appendix may be particularly important early in life because it achieves its greatest development shortly after birth and then regresses with age, end quote. And so even a piece of the body that people thought was meaningless and completely useless, it turns out it actually does have a purpose. And so Paul says you can't get rid of any part of the body. Some might think the big toe is an unimportant part of the body. Till you lose one. Ask somebody who's lost one and had to learn how to walk. All over again. I can remember a time when I was working in construction. Brother Bill, I used to work in construction. Uh, when I was right out of high school. And I remember a time I was building a pole barn, helping to build a pole barn. I still think about this day. Every time I drive down Waterloo Road and I see that pole barn sitting there. It was brutal winter. Brutally cold day in the, in the middle of winter. And uh, we didn't have fancy pneumatic nailers and things like that. We actually used hammers and nails. And I recall that I was trying to nail T-111 siding on the side of that building. And, uh, I was trying to hammer with these huge, heavy gloves on, and I just couldn't do it. So I finally took off this glove. And this hand was so cold, I couldn't feel anything. And the only way I knew that I was hitting this thumb was when spurts of blood would go flying across <laughs> the side. And it happened over and over. And I, you know, I couldn't feel it, so I did bad of it. Oh, that night, when I got home, and that hand warmed up, I, that thumb was important. It was talking to me. There's no part of the body that you can get rid of without pain. None. None. All the gifts are just as important and absolutely vital. So regardless of what you think your gift might be, it's important. It's important. Number four, and the last point he makes here, is spiritual gifts are for the good of the church. Spiritual gifts are for the good of the church. Consider some of the things Paul said here about how gifts help the church. He said, when exercised, they build the church. Now, you and I personally benefit when we exercise our spiritual gifts. There's no doubt about that. When I prepare a message or when I teach, I have to study. There's no no question that that is a benefit to me and I gain from that, but that's not the reason for the gift. I benefit from it, but it's not the reason. A person who gives to God. You know, the Bible says there's a gift of giving. I think it's Romans that says that uh, when we give, at least in the United States of America, there is a benefit that accrues to us and that we can deduct that from our taxes. And so there's a, there is a benefit to that that accrues to us, but that's not the reason for the gift. A person who has the gift of encouragement. You know how we need folks with the gift of encouragement. He takes time to encourage others, no doubt has encouraged himself or herself. And so we receive these secondary benefits, but that's not the reason for the gift. The reason for the gift is it builds the body of Christ. The reason for the gift is, as verse number 7 says, for the common good, the good of the church. So when exercised, our spiritual gifts build the body of Christ. On the other side, when ignored, they weaken the body of Christ. Now, I think there's also a secondary effect to us there as well. If I don't exercise my spiritual gifts, there's going to be some pain to me as well. I'm going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Just as you're going to be convicted if you if you don't uh, exercise your gifts. I think we can possibly find our gift removed. Use it or lose it, I think, is a valid uh, principle from the Bible. Jesus talked about that, the parable of the talents. When the Master took away the talents... From those who didn't use them, I think I've mentioned to you before that I used to play an instrument called the oboe. Anybody know what an oboe is? You know, believe it or not, I actually used to be good on the oboe. I almost had a scholarship to Kent State on the oboe. I was pretty good at it. But you know, I haven't played one in thirty years. And some time back, a few years back, I was at a friend's house, and this friend happened to be a high school band director at the time. I believe he's retired now, but. It's a high school band director, and that, to- that topic came up somehow, and he said, oh, and he went running off into his bedroom, and he came back, and he handed me an oboe. Hadn't touched it in ages. And you know, to my great sadness and sorrow, I could not even remember how to hold it, let alone how to play it. Couldn't remember how to finger it, any of that kind of stuff. You know, you could possibly find the gift removed. <laughs> you can lose it if you don't use it. And so there is, to us, you know, there's pain to us, too, if we don't exercise our spiritual gifts. But again, that's not the primary thing. The primary loss is to the church. The primary loss, when gifts are not exercised, is to the local church, which is what they're given for in the first place. For the good of the church, for the common good, for the good of all. The benefit of spiritual gifts is to the local church, and not primarily to the holder of the gifts. And similarly, the loss... When the gift is ignored is a loss to the local church rather than to the holder of the gift, so it 's critical we understand this. You have a gift for a reason. you have a gift because you're an answer to a need in this local church. You have a gift intentionally, God has intended that particular gift for you because this local church needs built up by that gift. The work of Christ is done here partially by you exercising that gift. And if we don't exercise that gift, then that need, it goes unmet. And that ministry goes unfulfilled. And this church suffers harm and loss. And so we need to think about that. You are the solution to a need. You and the spiritual gifts you possess are intentional. You are here because you are needed here. And you are here because God has a job for you to do. That's why we have spiritual gifts. Not so that we can strut around and puff out our chest and say, look at me, I have a gift. No, so that it can benefit the church. And when Christians don't exercise those spiritual gifts, adverse things happen. Things don't get done. People don't get saved. Those who are not gifted but have a heart of service have to jump in. And then they get burnt out. And a disproportionate amount of work gets done by a few. Does this sound like local churches? It sounds like just about every local church I've ever been in. And it is primarily because God's people who are gifted don't use the gifts that God has given them. We could go on and on with this, but I think the point has been made. Spiritual gifts are given for the benefit of the church. When exercised, they build it up. When left on the on the shelf or wherever, they hurt the church. So what is Paul teaching here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Let, let's sum it up here a little bit. He's saying, number one, we all have spiritual gifts. Number two, these are these gifts are from the Holy Spirit. Who alone decides who receives which. Number three, they are all equally important. And number four, they are for the purpose of building up the church. And so what's the challenge to us this morning? I think the challenge to us is clear. As believers, we need to identify and begin exercising the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. And so some today might be saying, but pastor, (laughs) I don't know what my gifts are. How can I know? It's always a question. And Paul doesn't go into that in our text, does he? He doesn't tell us how we can know what our spiritual gifts are. So let let me divert from the text just for a few minutes and give you just a couple of ideas. These are my ideas, things that I've gleaned from reading and other things. But let let me just share some practical ideas of how we might evaluate, how we might identify what our spiritual gifts are. Because I believe God wants you to know. He's not the author of confusion. He wants you to know. He didn't give this gift out there and say, nah, 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 I'm laying it out there, but I'm not going to let you know what it is. That's not God. He wants us to know. And so I believe he's given us some ways. Here's just a few, here's just a few thoughts that might help you to to think about uh, what your spiritual gifts are. Number one, I think we just need to try a simple self-evaluation. I think we just need to ask ourselves some questions. You know, I know we didn't spend any time at all. And we will over the next couple of weeks, perhaps a little bit more. But we didn't spend any time at all on the actual list of gifts that's mentioned here. Some of you are probably waiting for me to talk about speaking in tongues or something like that. Or we'll get to that, especially in chapter 14. We didn't spend any time. But there is a list of gifts here. It's not complete. It's not definitive. I think it's representative. These are examples of gifts. Romans chapter 12 has another list. Ephesians chapter 4, another. So you go to the Bible and you look at the various lists and you just ask yourself some questions. Is that me? Do I have that particular gift or that particular ability? Ask yourself, is it something I can do? Is it something I like to do? You know, I personally believe that we're supposed to enjoy our service for God. And I can say to you that by and large, I enjoy the gift of teaching and preaching that I believe the Lord has given me. Not always, there are those days when it's not as easy as others. But by and large, you look back on it and you say, you know what? It is something I enjoy doing. And if we're looking at, our, at, a, at trying to determine if something is a gift for us, it ought to be something that, at least by and large, we like doing. Is it something I am good at? Is it something I've tried and succeeded? And here's an important one. Is it something others have confirmed in my life? Uh, Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, has a quote in that book. He says this. He says, if spiritual gifts, he says spiritual gifts and natural abilities are always confirmed by others. If you think you are gifted to be a teacher or a singer and no one else agrees, (laughs) guess what? And so let's do our, a little self-evaluation, ask ourselves some questions, look at the list and just say, Lord, is, is that it? Talk to God about it. Evaluate how it works in our own life. And a second thing we might do is ask others for their opinion. This kind of builds on that last point, but ask others for their opinions. Am I gifted in this particular area? Now, there's some important caveats here. First of all, don't ask others until you've asked God. We Christians make that mistake far too often. Always ask God first. Talk to the Lord before you talk to men. Always, always. And then make sure, if you're going to talk about spiritual gifts, talk to Christians. Don't go to lost people and ask them if you've got a spiritual gift. They have no idea what you're talking about. They don't understand it. They can't understand it, the Bible says. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So ask Christians, what do you think, what do you think my spiritual gifts are? Talk to them. Try to ask the opinion of someone who's older and wiser than you. I know that there's many times that younger folks have 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 great advice and good ideas but in general the general rule is we ought to seek the advice from someone who has been there we ought to seek the advice from someone who is older and wise you remember you remember solomon solomon's kingdom you remember what happened to solomon's kingdom after solomon died it split do you know why it split because his idiot son ignored the advice of his wiser older counselors and listened to his warmongering younger friends and the kingdom split and so let us learn from Ball. ask the opinion of someone older and wiser than you. And tell them. When you're asking somebody, tell them. I'm not looking for compliments here. I'm not looking for you to tell me something that I want to hear. I want to know the truth. Do you think I'm gifted in this area? So we try a little self-evaluation. We ask others for their opinion. Here's a third thing that might help us. A matter of fact, I think this one's vital. We have to be willing to do what God wants us to do. We mentioned it a minute ago. If you have a spiritual gift and you do, then rest assured God wants you to use it. And so if we're trying to seek what these are and we're trying to identify these, we have to be, in our heart, willing to do them. We cannot we cannot accurately assess our spiritual gifts if we're approaching the process with, with, with this kind of a thought in in mind. Well, uh, you know, I'm willing to be a helper, but I'll never teach. You know, if that's the kind of thought that's in our mind, we're never gonna we're never gonna get anywhere. We have to be willing to do what God has said to do. Even if I did discover that I had the gift of ministry and service, I don't have time to exercise it. Well, if we're going to go with that kind of an attitude, we're not going to get very far. And so be willing to do what God wants you to do. You can't discover God's will if you're not willing to do it. And number four, number four, and this one might seem silly. I don't know. I think it's important. Some of you might think differently. But I think the fourth thing we ought to do is just do something. Just do something. Does something need done? Just do it. Whatever needs to be done. Perhaps that sounds simplistic, but I think it may be the most important technique of all in trying to determine our areas of giftedness. Forget for a moment the entire concept of spiritual gifts. Forget that just for a moment. What I'm saying is, you need to just jump in and do things and experiment with things and try things, and God will help you through that process to discover what those spiritual gifts are. Too often we sit back and we say, you know, whenever I figure out what my gift is, I'll start serving the Lord. We got it backwards. We got it wrong. Just jump in there and start serving the Lord. There are things that need to be done.
1: You know what's going to happen?
0: You're going to find some things you're good at. You're going to find some things you, you succeed at. And you may come to the belief that the Lord has gifted you. You're going to find some things that you're going to fall flat on your face. And you're not any good at. And you're going to have identified something that is perhaps not your gift. But it's going to help you. And I think it's perhaps the most important tool that we have. Things need not. Just do something. Just do something. Kevin DeYoung recently wrote a book by that title, Just Do Something. I have not read the book yet, but uh, Beth, didn't you get that book in the mail? I know, I saw it somewhere. Uh, we, we support Moody Publishing, and as a result, we get books all the time. And uh, that's one that recently came to the house. But anyway. Just reading the flyleaf, it's, it's on my reading list and I'll, I'll be able to speak more clearly whenever I've read it. But just reading the flyleaf, it sounds like that's what he's saying. He's saying that it's a great way to find out what God wants you to do in your life. Just start doing something. Just do something. Spurgeon said it. And nobody can say it like Spurgeon. Spurgeon said, brethren, do something, do something, do something. While societies and unions make constitutions, let us win souls. I pray you be men of action, all of you. Get to work and quit yourselves like men. Old Suvarov's idea of war is mine. Forward and strike, no theory. Attack, form a column, charge bayonets, plunge into the center of the enemy. Our one aim is to win souls, and this we are not to talk about, but do in the power of God, end quote. I love Spurgeon. Just do something. And so one of the greatest ways, one of the greatest tools that we can help us to determine our area of giftedness, start with a self-evaluation, ask others, make sure you have a willing heart, but then just see what needs done and jump in and do something. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. You have a spiritual gift. You need to identify it and you need to use it for the glory of God.